Welcome back to Two Pills in the Pod. I'm Jessica. And I'm Candice. Hello. And today, <laughs> and today we are going to talk about job hunting, working life in the UK in general. Yep. Yes. And how we look for a job and the challenges and the difficulties that we face along the way. Mm-hmm. So why did you choose to stay in the UK for work after uni, Candice? I think career progression-wise, it was more promising for me to stay in the UK I honestly don't know what prospect a pharmacist has in Indonesia at that time. And because I'm qualified in the UK and if I were to go home, I have to re-qualify again, sit for multiple different exams to re-qualify in Indonesia. And to be honest, I wasn't really fussed about that at that time. I'm sure you share the same sentiment with wanting to gain more work experience as well in the UK. On top of that, I'm also in a relationship with a Irish person. So he is <laughs> obviously living here right now and I want to stay here. So that's kind of why I am staying in the UK for now. What about you? I'm, I'm the same. Like I just went with the flow um, just like everyone else. It was actually quite tough to get a job in the UK, especially I chose to move to Cambridge, which is quite a competitive city. I was thinking back then, just go big or go home. If I got a job, I'll stay. If I don't get a job, I'll just go home. So I got a job. That's why I'm here. (laughs) Was it hard for you to get a job here? It is actually pretty tough for me because to be honest, the job that I'm currently in is not necessarily the job that I set out to do. So after I finished my pharmacy degree, after I got my qualification, I actually went back to Queen's to study another master's in pharmaceutical analysis thinking that I want to better equip myself with the knowledge to work in industrial pharmacy because mm-hmm. I'm more interested in the in what happens to medication before they're made and how they're made and the process that is involved in producing a medication from mm-hmm. you know drug development, drug discovery, everything. Was it difficult for you to apply for the course? Because not no. many people do that. No, actually it wasn't. I got a partial scholarship for the MSc program, mainly because I was an alumni in Queen's, so it wasn't anything fancy. But I think it was also because I had a decent grade in pharmacy and I qualified for the scholarship. So it actually helped me a lot in terms of budgeting for my master's year, which was only a year. It wasn't that long. And the application process was straightforward enough because I had a qualification from the same university, it was pretty much little to no effort at all. It was just a matter of submitting an application. Mm-hmm. I finished the master's course in a year's time. And obviously during the course, there were a lot of visits from different industries trying to recruit for students, which I jumped at every chance to speak to somebody who visited the university, recruiters looking for new graduates to hire. And I secured a few interviews went for the interviews, passed different stages of interview process and got offered a job in an industry. And I was so happy because that was that, that was what I set out to do. I was so happy that I finally got the job. I felt like I could finally breathe after months and months and months of holding my breath. Mm-hmm. And then I found out from the company that they had to withdraw their offer mm-hmm. because they couldn't provide me with sponsorship the company that I was applying for 
was actually a sponsored license. They hold a license to sponsor um, international workers, but it was limited to I think less than ten certificate a year. They have to be really careful with yeah with who they give it to. And my job because it was an entry level job, it didn't warrant them to give me a sponsorship because they could have hired any other graduate that is of Irish or British nationals. Basically, mm. I had that taken away from me, which was a huge, huge setback for me, and it affected my confidence as well. Because even though I knew that I was capable enough to get the job, I wasn't able to actually do the job. Mm-hmm. So I had to quickly find another way to get another job, and I spoke to my friend who was working in England at that time, and and this is when I was still in Belfast, and I spoke to her about it. She said her company was hiring, and there is a vacancy near where she was living, and if I wanted to, she can refer me to the position. And at that time, I remember I was in I was on holiday in LA with one of our friends. It was like two a.m. in the morning. And I was speaking to my friend on the phone and she said, look, just speak to the manager and see what they say. Mm-hmm. Um, cut long story short, I got an interview. I got an offer. I got my certificate of sponsorship sorted and I had to move to England for a new job. You know, looking back at it now, it was all very painful and grueling process for me. But at the end of the day, I'm really thankful that what happened happened because I wouldn't have been here today, mm-hmm. sitting here speaking to you if mm-hmm. you know if everything didn't happen and if I just given up and if I've just said, you know what, let's just forget it, let's just go home. You know, if I mm-hmm. if I had given up at that time, I wouldn't be here today. And yeah, so no, the answer to your question is no. It was hard for me. It was the process was really hard for me. What about you? Mm-hmm. Thinking about it now, it was chaotic. It was just a nightmare because I've only applied to one city. As I said, it was just go be or go home. So I only applied to Cambridge. And at that time, they didn't have any sponsorship license for um, international applicants. Um, because, what Cambridge though? Because I came here years ago um, with my parents and we thought that it's quite a nice city to live in and it's close to London, and but it's not as hectic as London. It's just quite chill and a good pace. And I think at that time, I didn't think of anywhere else I just thought that Cambridge is the right city for me to live in and I really want to be close to London because I need Chinatown I can have my bubble tea (laughs) and my Chinese food anytime I want so yeah I I didn't think of like anywhere else to move to and it's quite a big decision because it was like moving from a place where I stayed for five years and now I need to move to somewhere new and I know this is the right place for me to live in. Yeah, so I, I picked Cambridge and they didn't have any um, sponsorship license for international applicants at a time because they don't really need to hire any international applicants because they're quite saturated with pharmacist jobs in here. So I had to chase up for the interview, the application, because they don't really need me. So I was the one who need to chase up for the applications and the interview opportunities. So um, the recruiter was... To be fair, it, it was quite slow. It, it took a few weeks to um, to get an interview. The whole process from interview until I get the um, certificate of sponsorship took about like two weeks because my, my visa expired really early compared to anyone else. My visa expired in July. So I, I was like really running out of time. And like, so it was quite 
intense. And I went to Greece as well for holiday, <laughs> even though I had all this、um, application process going on. So yeah, it was it it was really intense. If I get it, I get it. If I don't get it, I I have to go home because of my visa expiry date. So, so yeah, you start. Where did you start your pre registration? So I started my pre reg in July twenty eight, no twenty seventeen. Twelve months of training, and、mm-hmm. I finished in July twenty eighteen. And your and expired. And your visa expired like two weeks in after. July. Two weeks after. Okay. Yeah, two weeks after. So I I applied for the job. Back in May, and took them like two months to reply to me to my application, and I had to chase up for interviews. So it took about from them making a decision till I got the actual because it took time to process the certificate of sponsorship as well. So yeah, and you need to submit your application online and sending away your passport and biometric residence permit card for the new visa. So. Yeah, I just remember it was chaotic, stressful all the time. Even though it was short period of time of two weeks, but it was so stressful because you're just hanging there and you didn't know that if you're going to get a job or not, and you know that if you're going to get the the visa or not because visa application is another stressful thing. Yeah,、so、yeah. What was your interview process like? Because mine was short and sweet. Mine was about ten minutes. She was just asking me basic questions, nothing very technical, and I just know that other people. Don't have the same experience as me. So, what was your experience like for the interview? I think my interview was a standard、um, full length interview of like thirty minutes interview. So it, it was like three stages. First of all, they asked about your personal experience,、um, talk about yourself, standard thing. Secondly, you talk about your work experience. They asked about like business questions, like how you work in the pharmacy on a daily basis and、mm-hmm. how you improve the business in general. And hit the sales targets and stuff. And thirdly, they ask, yeah. So the thirdly, they ask about leadership questions, like how you lead the team. Because as a pharmacist, you you are technically the leader in in the dispensary, so you need to know how to lead the team and stuff. So yeah, that was that was the interview process. But at the end, because I was so like I I had to rush for a decision. So in the end, I was like. Can you just tell me if you if I get it or not? And she was like, "I think you got it, but I just need to get back to you tomorrow." But I think you got a job, so she um my my interviewer was quite nice, so it was quite easy. Oh, and at the end of the interview, they would ask you like, "Do you have any questions?" And what is your salary expectation? So that's quite a standard thing to ask that they would ask during an interview, like, "What's your salary expectation?" But as a newly qualified pharmacist, you don't really get to choose. They are yeah, they are the employee in the end of the day. So and it's quite standardized um for especially for international applicants because we have like minimum salary requirement when applying、yes. for the visa. What was it when you applied? When I applied, it was the salary requirement was thirty four k, so low, but that's standard. So yeah. Okay. How did you feel? You know, during the visa application process, and what was the actual visa application process like for you after you got your certificate of sponsorship? So I I had to apply right away because so that I don't get kicked out of the country. So I applied online on government.co.uk website. So everything is done online. It's actually quite straightforward. But because I was a bit traumatized by a previous experience, like we we had so many misfortunes on like 
going to trips and stuff. So I was I was panicking applying for visa, but actually it was quite straightforward and it was an easy process. Just fill in your details online. The employer will send you the certificate of sponsorship details and you just have to fill in accordingly into your visa application. You need to be careful with the hours that you're working and also the number of hours that you're working a, per week and the salary because it has to match yeah we have a few friends that has actually encountered that problem before where his working hours that was proposed in his contract was different from the working hours that was submitted in the certificate of sponsorship and the way it worked out the salary requirement did not match with the salary requirement for the visa so hence his application was rejected and you have to get every single detail right right even down to your working hours your salaries your job titles your job descriptions everything has to match so your soc which is your no it's not your soc it's your job job description your job code sorry your job code has to match with the sponsorship certificate what was the application process like so was it did you go through the priority did you do Oh, yeah. I had to go through a priority because I was running out of time. So I paid um in total 2000 for my visa because there was priority service costs a lot more um, because the standard, pri- um, standard visa application will take eight weeks and I just didn't have enough time. And I, I wanted to go back home um, before I start the new job. So I had to go through the priority service and that cost around a, a bit over a thousand but with the nhs healthcare surcharge it would be about two thousand in total what about yourself okay. you yes i think i was the same as yours i applied for the premium so that was the 24-hour service so i think the priority gives you five days decision time whereas the normal one is eight weeks decision time so i went for the priority service which was 24 hours because premium oh yes sorry premium because my start date was i think about two weeks away from the day that my certificate of sponsorship was issued so i didn't have a lot of time as well between getting the sponsorship and having to apply for the visa so i paid an extra 800 pounds for the service and then the international health surcharge was 200 pounds a year which was 600 pounds for a three-year visa and then on top of that Obviously, you have to pay for biometric fee and also the visa application fee as well. So I think all in all, mine was around the same price as yours as well, which was mm-hmm. £2,000 and maybe slightly more. And I had a problem as well with my biometric residence permit, if you remember. No. They lost, they lost my card, remember? I <laughs> sent it to our old address and oh, the postman yes. lost it. Yes, yes. so... Our, so my company did not let me start work until I get my VRP in hand. So my VRP was lost and the courier returned it to home office. But home office took so long to process um, any return post. And yes, I had to request for a change of address. I had to call different people and people were so unhelpful. Mm-hmm. I couldn't get answers anywhere and I had to be suspended from work for about three weeks because I couldn't work without my visa and it was just such a stressful time as well I just felt like everything was against me at that time it it was a very stressful time yeah yeah did you apply 
How was your, your so your interview process was quite smooth, isn't it? And did you move right after? So I was lucky enough that one of our other friend was also moving to the same area as me. She was also at that time finishing her pre-registration and also got a job in the same area as me. So we were not close at all at that point. And I just messaged her and I said, I've heard that you also moving to the same area as me. So do you want to stay together? And she just said, yeah, sure, let's stay together. So we looked for a house together in England. And it was quite, uh, it was a very novel experience. Because over here, whenever we were looking for a house, it was always like a student accommodation. And we never really had to worry about application fee, administration fee. Mm. Everything was kind of because we were looking for a house as a student whereas in England when we were finding houses we found a lot of houses that were unfurnished and we were not at a point in our life where we wanted to invest in furniture buying beds Mm -hmm. buying fridges buying Mm -hmm. dining tables and stuff and it was just so hard trying to find a house that came fully furnished which I realized in the end uh, you know at a later time that it was just common for people to rent out unfurnished house. In the end, we managed to find a house. And between the time when I got my visa and the time when I had to start my work wasn't that long. So I had to I had to get a car as well because obviously the job requires me to own a car. So I had to buy a car before everything happens really quickly. Mm-hmm. And I drove from Belfast to England on my car, moved mm-hmm. everything. Basically, and you fit everything in your car? No, obviously not. <laughs> I had to I had to send about like four or five boxes through like a moving company. But they were okay. They were not too expensive, which I thought it was gonna be very expensive. But everything was pretty smooth because you can designate a specific day or a specific time for you to receive your stuff and you can also track them as well. They they uploaded tracking which was really useful for me to know where my stuff was going. Everything was pretty smooth at that time i don't really think there was any hiccup when we arrived there the estate agent met us in front of the property showed us around and we kind of settled in pretty quickly and i had to start work the day after basically was the rent about the same then compared to belfast no it was no actually sorry yes it was similar because when i was in belfast i was paying around 300 pounds per month for rent mm-hmm. um, excluding utilities and when I went to England our rent was 250 a month but we had to pay rates which was working out to be about 50 pounds per person so that made it 300 pounds a month which work out the same obviously with utilities in Belfast you don't pay for water so water is free mm-hmm. whereas in England you have to pay for water so that was kind of the only other expense that I had in terms of utility and then you had your standard internet, your electricity, your gas. And if you want, you can have like TV license, but we didn't bother with a TV license. Mm. I think in general, it was okay. I think we were also not in a big, big city. So rent was still comparable to Belfast. Whereas I know for yourself, Mine you had like a lot more. Of like what I was paying in, in Belfast, mine was double. And, and the moving process was nightmare it was chaotic because i initially booked a career company who uh, meant to i had four boxes that i need to create from belfast to cambridge 
and because it was overweight, they sent it back to Belfast instead of like charging me extra, which I have no idea why because it's just so stupid. Um, mm-hmm. So they sent it back to Belfast and still charged me the same. So I need to find another credit company to to send it and my boxes were meant to arrive on the same day i arrived in in the uk but instead like it got delayed like for a week so i i had to buy everything on the day i arrived in uk i need to do like a augustine day delivery for all my mattresses and my um heating fan everything it was just yeah but it was quite easy to oh no actually um looking for houses was another nightmare as well because i had to fly from belfast to cambridge to look for houses and i had like a week to look for houses to view houses so i need i need to contact all the agents and book for viewing and i couldn't find any houses um for the first four days when i was in cambridge and i managed to find one on the last day so it was so stressful and on the day on the, my last day in cambridge i i i found out that i didn't actually book my flight ticket so typical <laughs> happens every time like yeah. every single time which is why i have ptsd in like booking flights so i yeah so i had to book last minute flight on the spot yeah on my last day flying flying from cambridge back to malaysia so yeah it was oh back to malaysia wow malaysia back to malaysia that must not be cheap nope not much difference but yeah not not cheap so yeah well how do you forget no, 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 I booked my I booked my ticket, received booking confirmation, but uh-huh. the, the payment didn't go through. That was the issue. Oh, they I see. didn't okay. tell Yeah, they didn't tell me that the payment didn't go through. So I was arguing on the phone that why did you send me booking confirmation if the payment didn't go through? You should tell me that I haven't paid. Doesn't make sense. And I said, Can you get me the same price on because I'm flying tomorrow and haven't got a um, ticket? And she was like, Nope. It's so it was five hundred when I booked the ticket and on that day it's gone up to a thousand. So I was like, No, I'm not going to pay a thousand to fly fly back home. Yeah. So I had to book yeah. with another airline. So yeah. Wow. So what made you check your booking confirmation the day before? Like why? <laughs> usually, if, usually if you book something, you just go to the airport and show yeah. the person your booking confirmation. So what made you check your booking confirmation before? Because we had too many airport misfortune um, traveling with you. <laughs> so you should know well that we had so many traveling misfortunes. So like, I just know something is going to happen. And like, okay. I didn't feel right when I didn't get um, check-in. You, normally you would get a check-in oh, um, yes, yes, yes. email and or like a boarding pass or like a reminder to say that, oh, you're flying tomorrow. But I didn't get anything. I was like, why didn't I get an email? And at that time, I was so stressed out because I was so focused on like looking for houses. I didn't realize until the day before I fly. So yeah, it was... Yeah. I mean at least at least you, you realized that earlier yeah. enough. Not that, you know, two hours before your flight's due to right. depart, yeah. you're I'll in the airport pee. and you're like, Yeah, and people yeah. are telling you actually I'll pee sorry, in my you don't... Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I can imagine the frustration. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's yeah. that's interesting. So how how much was your rent then in Cambridge? Four hundred and fifty five inclusive everything. So which is not bad. But it was a tiny single bed and but and a ten house share. Well initially I thought it was fine, but the longer time I spent there, the the more I realized it share sharing a house with like Toilet. ten people is not a good idea. Toilet, kitchen, very gross. Um Yeah, but you were sharing houses when you're in university as well. So what's the but difference? It was a, 
it, the difference is when I was in Belfast, it's a big semi-detached mansion. So, and when I moved to a Canada, mansion, well, I would <laughs> say it's a mansion. It's it's quite it's huge. <laughs> I wouldn't describe that as a mansion. There was no garden anywhere. All right, then. you don't have like a security it, guard or a butler. <laughs> well, to me, it was mansion because like it, it's a big semi-detached house. But like when I moved to Cambridge, it's just like a tiny terrace. Yeah, house. I remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, came to it visit. wasn't very. It wasn't very beautiful. No, <laughs> I remember the toilet was like I had tiny. to kind of. Yeah, position yourself really funny in the toilet yeah. so that you're not touching anything. Yeah, yeah. I remember that. I like how know. you? How many months were you there? Eleven. Wow, that is a long time. Yeah, that motivated me to get a, my yeah. my own place. So yeah, yeah. we'll talk about Can this next time. Yeah. yeah. So are you are you happy with what you're doing right now? Then are you happy with? Your I was job? gonna ask you the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> I was actually just gonna be like. So, do you like your job? <laughs> well, um, sometimes, sometimes I do. Sometimes I don't. There are times you do. Where... Yeah, no, I, I actually do. Sometimes, especially when I'm running the flu clinics and I get to be speaking to people and I get to listen to their stories. And okay, so in a flu clinic, usually you have to wait for about five ten minutes before you're allowed to go. And sometimes. People use that time to chat, use that time to share their stories, and I always find that very inspiring. Some stories that I've heard were very, very moving and very sometimes very sad. People talk about losing their family, living alone, and being able to impart some comforting words and being able to be there for somebody just to listen for five to ten minutes and knowing that they appreciated you. Setting aside time to listen to them, that gave me a lot of job satisfaction. A lot of the times that happens when I'm running the flu clinic, and that's why I like running the clinic because I get a chance to connect with people more personally instead of just over the counter where it is a two minute or even like a thirty second interaction where you don't even get to know the people. So yes, I. I know, I know. I complain a lot about, I complain a lot about my job, but sometimes I do find these little moments of satisfaction and little moments where I'm like, yes, it's not so bad. Sometimes, you know. What about you? When I first started the job, it was all new and like very exciting, and I was excited to accept like all the challenges and opportunities that I come across. I did get gain a lot of job satisfaction at the start, but. Now that I've been working for two, three years now, started to get go stagnant a bit. It, it's yeah, the job that you're doing. It's the same, repeating itself like on a daily basis. And I, I don't know. I just know that I don't think I'm going to work in community pharmacy for the rest of my life. Um, yeah. that's why I'm thinking right now. But I, I would say the the good thing about working in a big chain company is that you do get reasonably well paid. Your pay will be according to the market rate. You're not. Yeah. That would be different if you work for independent company because they might not be able to match up to the market match. rate. Yeah. And you get paid for like the number of hours that you work. They do monitor if you if you didn't get paid accordingly, you can speak to your manager. And for for those who are driving, you can claim for mileage, which is another good thing because you get extra pocket money from there and <laughs> you basically yeah. get your car maintenance and your yeah. fuel paid for exactly. which is really good yeah it, yeah it works out really well because i'm i'm driving as well and i do get to claim for mileage yeah. 
and yeah. it does work out really well so any money that you get from the mileage claim can go for car repairs and mm. insurance or even like fuel so it is good mm. and well i don't drive know. so i can't really tell the the because in cambridge you just cycle everywhere so that's i think that's one good thing for me because i'm a hazard on a road i can't i i don't want to <laughs> <laughs> i'm, I'm glad you know that I'm glad you realized that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Too many people told me that, so yeah, I do, I I do realize. So yeah, but I think the bad thing is after working in big chain company for a while, you realize that you're just a number in a big corporation like this, and you feel like you like what you can achieve is quite limited. Like for myself, I really want to see what I can achieve and how I can make an impact at where I work. Um, mm-hmm. but I can't see myself at this position right now, at this stage right now. So what are you gonna? do about it are you going to i got a new job so i i'm moving to a new job and yeah and we'll see what happened from there so is this the same is this the same job title or is there a career progression it's a career progression it's a step up from pharmacist to pharmacist manager so um so you're basically leading a team i guess so it's and it's a different company so even though it's another big chain company i think the way the company runs it's still a bit different in Mm -hmm. yeah so i think it's it's a good thing to see i think that's why i i chose to stay a bit longer in the uk just to find out like a how different companies work and how different companies run yeah yeah even when there are they are the same business even if it's still the same pharmacy business it can be run in a very different way yeah. because they have different management style and they have different mm-hmm. goals they have different values as well so it's just good to see what works for you and what doesn't work for you you can take a page out of company a's book and then take a page of another company's book and make it your own and be your own person as well and i think when we can contribute in some way even though it's small medium size or a large contribution that is when we get a job satisfaction isn't exactly. it being well paid is a big aspect of our job Mm-hmm. but how we see ourselves matters as well in our job are we contributing enough are we making an impact are we positively affecting other people in our job be it our colleagues or our customers mm-hmm. it all matters at the end of the day i think we just have to find a way to grow mm. Yeah, I think at this stage of our life, like it's it's all a bit lost. Like you, you're not sure what you're doing, and you're not sure if that's the right career path for you. I think it's so normal to be questioning our career path. We did choose pharmacy when we were really young, and honestly, like what do seventeen-year-olds know? We are allowed to take a step back and re-examine our career path, and if it's still something that we want to do. I think we should just work on our own timeline and don't compare ourselves to other people. I'm quite a realist in a sense that I don't think everyone can be lucky enough to be passionate about their job, especially since I've never known what it's like to feel passion for something and get paid for it. Like I've, it's, it's never been something that I've been lucky to experience. But I do think that a job shouldn't be soul-destroying and you shouldn't despise it so much that it affects your home life as well. A job pays you so that you can supplement your life, right? It's part of your life, so it shouldn't be your whole life. It's just, it's just not healthy. 
I read Michelle Obama's book, Becoming. It's a great book, by the way. And in it, she talked about changing jobs and like taking on a job that was more aligned with what kind of lawyer she wanted to be. At that time, she was a really successful corporate lawyer and she was earning a lot of money, but she wasn't really happy because she knew that that wasn't something that she was passionate about. And so when she went on to look for other jobs and found ones that she was happy about and she was excited about, it offered her like half of what she was earning at that time. And she was really contemplating about it because can, can she afford it? Can she afford to downsize her lifestyle? Can she afford to take the pay cut? And in the end, she chose to take the job and she was so much happier for it. And it led her to so many different things in her life, great things in her life. And she really inspired me to take the leap and try something different. After all, like how much money you make shouldn't be your sole purpose or your sole source of happiness. How you feel about yourselves, work-life balance, and like a little bit of excitement should count too. I think it's never too late to start something new. And the most important thing is never be afraid of stepping out of your comfort zone and making a change. Um, so I guess that's it for today. Um, I hope you enjoyed listening to us or share it with your friends. Write us some feedback, click subscribe and rate us on Apple's podcast and Spotify. We have an Instagram page called 2 Pills in Pod. Follow us on our Instagram where we'll post teasers about our upcoming episodes. We'll see you on our next episodes then. Bye. Bye.